Well, listeners, today, hate to start out on a sad note, but in case you didn't hear, a great in the magic community has passed away. And that's Sheldon Mentoring. And we at least want to say thanks for everything he provided to the magic community as a person, as an ambassador, and just a general quality human being. He lost his battle with cancer after seven years. And he never wanted to make it about himself. So we're going to keep on keeping on, but at least wanted to give a nice tribute to a really good person. But let's get to the show. Seven, six, five, four, three, two, one. You'll never have me, Sacred Stone. <laughs> oh, this you crazy mother... Welcome, friends, to episode 204 of Color of Magic, your magic gaming podcast where we talk about all types of issues that affect gamers at and away from their gaming tables and computers. I am your host, Daquan Watson, and for 204 episodes, still got my main man, Brian Allen. How's it going, dude? 204. It sounds like that's probably some rapper's area code, I'm sure. I can't think of one, but it probably is. I don't I mean, know what code 204 is, but I said it out loud. I was about to say, there's a good chance... That Ludacris has some hoes in 204. Because right. he got hoes in different area codes, as he tried to tell us. Watch it be Wyoming or some random Probably. Place. <laughs> I have no idea. What's funny, did you hear there was a new song called Area Codes? I didn't know that. Like No? Somebody like, referenced it. it or... Uh, I don't remember. It was somebody referenced it, and I was like, you mean the Ludacris song? And they were like, no. And then they was like, oh, there's a new song. Okay, cool. I had no idea. Shows you how out of touch I am on some days. I get I just stay in my my cave, my studio, just working all the time these days. But I want to give everybody a reminder: if you like our show, and you probably do because you're listening right now, you should go to wherever you downloaded it from, wherever you're listening from. Give it a four or five star rating. Put two or three nice sentences about why somebody should watch the show. That'll help us be seen when people or, are doing or listen show. to the show. Well, that's true. Listen to the show. Like it'll help people know like what's going on, what it's about. And it really helps these different search engines whenever people are just searching for like magic or gaming or whatever, and they're looking for a related podcast. So that'll do us a big favor if you can do that for us. Also, if you just want to support us directly, you can go to patreon.com slash color magic. You get a shout out just like our new patron, Slim Bell, which is a cool name. So thank you for coming on board and being a supporter. You can also go to color of slash shop where you can get some merchandise. I should soon have new uh, roll markers for Eldraine. I had some custom ones done. I'm going to have them with me in Vegas. And then after that, so at the end of September, I should have them up on the site as well if you want to get some of those. And you can just be friendly to us. We love that. <laughs> like, right. Send us nice messages. Come hang out. Matter of fact, if you're in our Patreon, uh, if you're a patron, you can get access to our Discord. And we have a lot of different conversations that go on in there too. So if you ever want to follow up on the show or you want to ask us a question, that's a good spot to do that as well. And that's all linked on Patreon whenever you become a member. also want to take a second to remind you about our sponsors over at CoolStuffInc.com. You should check them out. You can save 5% on your orders using code DRAGON. That supports the show. And if you're looking to go to Command Fest Orlando, you can get tickets now. And if you're into board games and stuff, they have a huge sale going on right now. So you should take advantage of that and apply your discount. But for now... Let's go hop into the soapbox. All right. I have a good one today because, I, and you know, I guess this is weird. I feel like I hate saying this stuff because sometimes it, I feel like it comes off like I'm kind of a big deal, but like, <laughs> I'm really not. You know what I mean? Like, I know I'm not. It just, it can just sound that way, but. I occasionally, not even occasionally, pretty regularly now, I'll get messages from people trying to get you to promote something for them, right? And that's not uncommon. I'm sure if you're a larger channel than me, you probably get 10 times more of these than I do. But generally speaking, I don't mind them, right? People are just trying to do business. They have a new item. They've got some Kickstarter. They got whatever. They're just trying to get people to help their reach and help sell some stuff. I get it. You're doing business. And part of it, is that you're getting people who want a lot of promotional effort for no cost. 
And I'm talking everything from new games coming out where people are like, oh, well, we can send you like 30, 50, 100 early access codes to our game to give to your followers or your viewers. I mean, okay, but you want me to take my time to learn your product, your game, to stream it, set up giveaways, which takes time. And then I have to have me or a mod or somebody like reach out to people, get their contact info, connect with them on Discord, whatever I got to do to get these codes to them or whatever. And you don't want to pay me anything. Right. I had somebody else with a, a exposure, bro. They're going to expose exposure you. for them, not for us. They're not even doing anything to help you get exposure. Like if they even came back and said, well, for our for your efforts, we're going to do this and this on our side to help lift your streams or your your I don't know, your Twitter feeds or whatever. All right. At least they'd be putting in some amount of effort to help raise your status. Right. But you're not even getting that. It's just, hey, we have this thing. We want you to promote it. And hopefully you're happy just having this thing. Another person who had some type of electronics. I can't remember what it was. Oh, one of them was a speaker that like some type of fancy speaker that goes on your desk or whatever, which don't be wrong. This one wasn't cheap. It was like a $200 speaker. So it was like a real item. But you also know that like wholesale creation on the speaker is probably like 30 bucks or something, right? Same thing. There's another thing like, hey, we have this thing. Here's links if you want to check it out. You know, we'll pay shipping to you, all this. I'm like, great. Does there any any compensation for this? They say no. I'm like, okay, well, then I'm not really that interested. And truthfully, let's be real. For some of them, if all you wanted was like some social post or you make a little TikTok video or whatever, if they'd have said like a hundred dollars, I probably would have done it. Right? I'm not even asking for a ton. They could have just thrown any reasonable number at me i probably would have said yes another person this week reached out had their item we're like hey we'll we'll pay for shipping whatever i'm like all right cool so i'm like hey is there any compensation that goes along with this effort? oh they also said they wanted to also have exclusivity to use it because they wanted like a 20 to 30 second thing in a youtube video not a big ass they wanted to use it for promotional efforts for the next month also not terrible if you're paying for it. Right. Right. So I asked them, like, hey, is there any compensation for this effort? They said no. I'm like, okay. Well, here's the issue. I said, you're asking me to make something for you so I can promote it in my video. Because that's going to take a couple hours worth of work. Then you want to take that thing and use it everywhere else on the internet for you to promote your items so you can make more money. Yet you want me to do the work that you would pay a studio production team whatever probably somewhere between a thousand and two thousand dollars to put together minimum 500 if they're just you know you got a sweetheart deal and you just pay some little extra per effort or whatever but you want to pay me nothing and they're like oh no but we're going to send the item to you for free and pay shipping and i'm like no no i understood that part <laughs> like that's that's not what i'm contesting i definitely would not be paying shipping to get the thing from you to promote it for you right right but that that's common and what i tell people is would I ever take any of these efforts? I think when you're a smaller creator and you're just looking to get a little extra something or whatever, sure. I think also in cases where I want to work with the brand long term and I'm like, you know what? Let me do a thing. We'll establish a relationship. Cool. There's a long term plan there. No issues with that at all. Even in the case where if it's an item I was already going to buy or I was going to buy something similar. I would do it for free because at that point it's like you paid me anyway because I was just going to spend the money to buy the thing. But when you're just reaching out to me to promote a thing, no, free is not good enough. And I think the problem is there's too many creators that don't value themselves. I think there's a lot of people that say, oh, you know, I guess I kind of got to people aren't willing to pay me like literally just ask them for like 50 bucks. Like get something if you can get it now again, if you're small Hey, it's cool just to be able to get some cool $200 electronics for free. Ain't hating at all. But once you have any semblance of a reach where you're doing hundreds or thousands of views per video and, you know, you've got a big number of people watching your streams or whatever, you don't have to take these for free. People will pay for them. Hell, a bunch of these people will actually pay if you ask them. A bunch of them just don't mention it because they know a bunch of people do it for free. Right. So I don't blame them. I wouldn't say nothing either. If you're like, hey, we have this sweet new game coming out. 
would you like to be part of our early access team on stream? And then we'll give you some codes and give them away. And like a bunch of people like, yeah, that'd be great. Like, cause in their head, they're like, Oh, I'm getting exclusivity to a game. They're going to promote my stuff. All right. Awesome. You could just ask them for 50 bucks. And if you're getting, you know, the deluxe edition of some game, yeah, that could easily be hundred bucks or more. So yeah, I get it. Yeah. Especially if it's a game you want to play anyway. Right. Or again, a company you want to work with in the future. Totally get it. But if you're kind of just taking it to take it and it's a new thing to do and you just want to check out a game, yeah, 50 bucks to have your time for like two hours, that's still 25 bucks an hour. Like, that's not terrible to go stream something. Great. And it's not like they're spending a ton of money because I guarantee you any amount of money they're spending for banner ads and everything else are way more than what they're going to pay you. Like, whatever promotion they're paying for somebody to write an article and all this, like, they're spending way more than that $50 on every one of those efforts. So it's not that unreal to ask for. And then also once you're larger, obviously. I mean, I know a guy right now, he has a channel where he's doing, hell, tens of thousands of views per video. And he had a gaming company reach out to him to promote something. It was something to do with video games. And they didn't want to pay him. Oh, they wanted to pay him like him to pay like $50 or $100, some small amount. And it's like, dude, he's doing like 3x what I'm doing per video. Like, there ain't no way I would do that for that little. And again, they're they're used to, especially with stuff like video games, because there are so many people that want to get into the industry that don't have a way in, and they take full advantage. Yep. Same thing with gaming journalism, especially now that the robots are out <laughs> trying to, to replace everybody. They're just, oh, yeah, there's just not many jobs. So people are, you know, the, the crabs in a barrel to, to get the handful of jobs that are still left. Yep, it's tough, man. It's tough. So, like... Again, I don't fault anybody, but I'm just saying, putting it out there, think about it, your value, your plan, your purpose, before you agree to some of these free deals. Some of them might be worth it. Some of them could be part of your long-term journey. But like, really think about it and value yourself, because there are people out there purposely trying to take advantage of the fact that you won't ask for anything. All right, what you got, Brian? You know, there's been a kind of interesting situation around the Saints Row game. First of all, one of those games that, for whatever reason, didn't meet uh, didn't meet the publisher's expectations, and now this week they've apparently announced that they're going to, I guess, uh, shutter the Volition, the studio that's been making Saints Row games for the past several years. And it, 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 a lot of things happened because it was, it's also leaked out that apparently there was some executive meddling, and I guess the the people writing and creating the game wanted to go one way with the story. I guess probably closer to what Saints Row has traditionally done, which is kind of like, you know, almost a parody of Grand Theft Auto, which Grand Theft Auto itself is kind of a parody of American capitalist society. But I mean, they, they, they go far out there. And apparently this time the publisher wanted to be more about, you know, it sounds to me like they were almost trying to be very fast and furious where they really wanted to focus on, you know, the power of friendship that these gangsters have with each other. And that's, you know... Probably not surprised the game didn't sell well if you've gone completely away from what the franchise is used to doing. So it got me thinking, I wish there was almost kind of like a a Snyder cut for video games where after something like this has happened, you could put out, okay, this is what this is what the game designers wanted to do, but weren't allowed to the way Snyder did with his, you know, Judges League movie. And it's probably the same situation where, hey, if it's a bad game to begin with and the reviews for Saints Row. I mean, we're like in around the 60, 70% range. I'm sure you're not going to go from 60, 70% to, oh my God, game of the year. But it'd still be interesting to see kind of what, where the where the designer's vision and the publisher's vision kind of dovetailed, especially as people trying to figure out how to cram DLC in there in, in a lot of cases, how to monetize it, how to, in some cases, charge for stuff that used to be free. See, this would be a prime example of a game that really probably could use a Snyder cut. And obviously since it didn't make any money, well, not get, I guess pretty much none of these games will have that happen. It'd be nice to see if that could happen in some kind of way. It's really just a, a wishful thinking. I know, but it'd be interesting. Yeah. It's, it's, it's tough because the way saints row games were built story-wise, I, I think when we talked off the air, I kind of equated it to those who know, like the, the, Attitude era WWE, right? There was sexualization of different people. There, you know, references to a lot of things you can't make now, even on television, much less in general pop culture. Like, 
if you did it the way I think a lot of the older players familiar with the brand wanted it, I wonder if how that would have even sold or would have been accepted in modern society, right? And and it's kind of one of those questions because, you know, it, it is real to ask, like, should we still have room for any of that stuff in our entertainment? Because some of it is offensive. <laughs> like, I mean, Again, it like, really depends on how well the situations are handled. Right? One of the examples that I heard people talk you couldn't make this movie today to Blazing Saddles. You could because Blazing Saddles is funny. Yeah, like what oh, would they, I mean, if your jokes are offensive, they got to be hidden, else you're just hollering out racial slurs or sexual. Yeah, exactly. Or, or sex shaving. You just you got to the the edgier your comedy is, the funnier it needs to be, and it needs to say something as opposed to just you know hollering out stuff to to holler out slurs. Well, yeah, because, like, I mean, we could say about, like, Airplane, right? They had a whole scene about Jive. Right. You know what I mean? Like, that. there's some people who would be offended. Expertly. But it's it's kind of funny. You know what I mean? Because it's Jude Cleaver talking about, man, (laughs) Jive Turkey. That's what makes it great. Oh, no. Pardon me, stewardess. I speak Jive. Right. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, like, I've told people before, like, People say there's no room for any type of racial jokes. And I've told people there are, but they need to be funny. Yes. Like the, right. the late great Milton Berle said, the joke, like you can be profane, but the joke better be funny before you add the curse word. Mm-hmm. Probably That's exactly we have, we have a generation of people that you know that grew up on South Park and you know, and and roast, you know, the, the, the county central roast of and don't understand that okay. Even without the offensive parts, these jokes were funny to begin with. And you got people that are just writing jokes that are offensive and haven't haven't cr- reached the, the bridge of actually being funny. Dude, the thing for me, like the best example of that is if you watch, I think it's the Justin Bieber roast. Like there in all those roasts, there's usually two or three people that are just you're just cussing and making like lowbrow jokes and they're just yeah. they're terrible. But man, when Martha Stewart gets up there. She went in. I don't know if she had somebody write her jokes or if she's just funny, but man, she went into people and every one of them was a killer. It's I was the just Jim like, Cleaver effect where, you know, this yeah. is America's mom, essentially, or America's, I guess, homemaker just going in on people. Oh, and they were dirty and filthy, but I'm like, but the delivery and just her demeanor, I'm like, eh, it just made it funny. But I told you, like, it's not that different from what other people are doing, just they they weren't as creative and they were bland and they were just like oh you said a sexual term and yeah. had a cuss word all right that's that doesn't make it funny though yeah and that's what I'm wondering about like in these games like when you talk about Saints Row like could we pull that off today like maybe probably Grand Theft Auto still does things that, that exactly could be considered offensive but you know it's that everything works the, the missions are are entertaining you know it's not that's i've played about a few hours of saints row and its biggest sin is really just got poor enemy design poor level it's the same open world game that you've played a million times basically see i always viewed saints row as like a poor man's version of grand theft auto and I don't I know if that was right or not, but that's sort of the way I viewed it. I think a lot of them, I have enjoyed Saints Row more because they just kind of go in there and go wild. Like okay. there's, uh, especially for in the enemy design. Again, I want to say Saints Row. For all, it's called Saints Row the Third. That lets you know kind of that they're <laughs> they're kind of being being you know full pretentious, like that director that wants you to wants too much credit for having made I don't know American Pie or something. And so, so just I think one of the gangs is a bunch of luchadors, and they actually got Hulk Hogan to play one of the mentors, and they got it. For example, any you know wrestling fan will just 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 fall out. There's, there's one part where Hogan says something like, you know, I can't get you over if you won't work, because Hogan, of course, is notorious well, of course. for knowing like four moves, and yeah. not even doing any of those particularly well. I wonder too, though, if it's a case of Grand Theft Auto just gets a free pass just culturally because everybody goes like, yeah, we all know about it, whatever. You know, like maybe people don't feel the same way about Saints Row because it doesn't have that cultural significance, I guess. 
I think the, the last, you know, up until this one, I think they've all done very well in terms of sales. Okay. That's why Embracer decided they, they went, went on a big spending spree. That's another thing that happened during the, uh, again, hopefully there'll be some kind of behind the scenes documentary on this because at some point while the Embracer group, they, they've been purchasing a lot of licenses, a lot of game companies. They were going to have some kind of big, I guess, essentially, if you heard the term sports washing, I guess almost a, a game washing deal with, with the Saudi Arabian fund that's in charge of making people think Saudi Arabia is cool. I won't go any further into that because that's a whole different category. At some point, apparently, this deal fell through. And I was looking for ways to cut corners. And unfortunately, Volition has got caught, caught up in the, well, your last game didn't make infinity billion dollars. Now you're all fired. Sorry. Somebody's got to go. Yeah, that's tough. Man, I feel for him. I mean, things beyond your control affecting your job always sucks, yeah. right? Like, you did everything you were supposed to do, and it just didn't matter. Bit interesting, though, still. Nonetheless. Anybody that wants to try it, if you have PlayStation Plus, it is actually free to download this month. So if you if you have, if you like Saints Row games, if you like open world games, and, you're, and you have PlayStation Plus, it's free for you to try. And hey, if you do, let, let us know what you think about it. Well, you know what? Let's go ahead and talk about some other things because I think we have two really interesting things to talk about on completely different ends of the spectrum. So why don't you go first? All right. Yeah, I guess uh, this is our 200th episode. We let you know about uh, the state fair and some of the just uh, fantastically crazy fried and other kind of food items that they have. And we actually have now the winners from the various uh, categories. Apparently the, uh, for savory, the best the best taste of savory was deep fried pho. And if you're like, wait, pho is kind of like a soup. I don't understand. Yeah, in Texas, somebody figured out how to deep fry pho, and apparently, it's really good. It won the award in that category. I bet you has something to do with like flash freezing it. Then I, you I think so. Bread it, dunk it. Yeah, yeah. they do with like Kool Aid. Yeah, you know, like ice, ice cream. cream and some of the other things they fried at the state fair. Uh, best taste for sweet was Biscoff Delight, which apparently is a kind of like a classic New York style cheesecake coated with Belgian chocolate, and then it's adorned with crushed Biscoff cookies. And I'm just you know, getting to feel like I'm, oh, I bet you that also has Biscoff crushed. Yeah, uh, crust. I bet. My I, my sugar is going up just talking about it, but I'll bet it's a that actually sounds good. tasty as hell. I ain't gonna lie to you. Like <laughs> I and now I'm like, like, man, I miss being at the Texas State Fair for real. You know, I, free merchandise is great. I, I want to get enough of a following on social media and things to where I get invited to one of the celebrity judges for this for these contests. I swear, I, I would happily take that job for all these contests the entire year. And uh, the most creative thing overall, this is bourbon banana caramel sopapillas. Dog. Mike. Yeah. Vanilla <laughs> caramel infused bananas, sweet bourbon syrup, crushed candied pecans, sweetened cheese, crumbled vanilla wafers dusted with powdered sugar. Dude, here's the thing. Like, that sounds like something if I ate it, I wouldn't want to eat anything else ever again. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, just give me that every day. <laughs> right. Then you end up on 600 pound life. But, you know, you, you that can... is crazy. That is... And see, and that's cool because it's not even like they made a new thing. They just like, made the thing really well. Yeah. It all these just... parts we like, let's just put them together and make the one ultimate thing. Because let's be honest, crumbled dill away for stuff with powdered sugar. I'd have already out of stop. Like that's enough. Oh, dude! But like, sopapillas are great. Yeah. Like bananas, Foster's good. Like this is just a bunch of things mashed together. I I dig it. It's kind of like the KFC bowl, where hey, here's a bunch of stuff from KFC you like. We just yep. put it all in the same bowl. And here's the sad part: the Washington State Fair is going on right now. And if I go, I go to like hang out, look at cool stuff they have on exhibits or whatever. Like. I'm not even excited to go try new foods because I know there ain't going to be more than maybe one new interesting thing. Yeah. Which is sad. The food there is great. Some of them, it's even gourmet level that they're serving at the the park, which is awesome. But it's just not new, interesting, fun, quirky, weird. 
gross for you, fattening, mm-hmm. artery clogging, you know, like that, because that's what you're looking for uh, outside good, of the turkey leg you know, if you whenever eat, you go to the fair. If you eat this at the state fair, you're going to walk off all the calories. This is the good Yeah, thing. that's the goal, right? You're going to walk off half of them just getting back to your parking spot <laughs> at the state fair. Yeah, you can. Unless unless you were smart and took the train there. Right. Because you can actually do that up there or down there. You can't can't really do that here because it's in a little town where they don't have trains that run oh, by. Okay. But they have good public transit, though. Yeah. There are not a lot of down to things about downtown Dallas that are designed well, but that is one of them. Yep. Well, all right, man. That, that was actually... I'm I'm kind of interested. I need. I, actually, I'm thinking about man. Can I make some of them sopapillas at home? Um, yeah. So there's a thing that happens on social media, particularly on like YouTube videos or whatever, that people will come around and they just want to poke fun at how you pronounce something, and that's regular. Like it's knuckleheads, right? But I, one of the things I kind of slowly did in the background is I will follow up with these people. Even if I'm going to hide user from channel, love that button, I tend to actually follow up and be like, well, let me go see what other stuff this person has on their YouTube channel or who they might follow. Or let me see if I can find something that connects their social media. So I can just see, because I kind of want to know, like who's causing the problems? Who are, who are these people? And honestly, when somebody comes and wants to like take shots at somebody's dialect or pronunciation of stuff tends largely i won't say all because i have several that were not but if i look at the math here it's just short of about 80 percent, 77 and change tend to be people that are as some would put it undesirables And they, they follow the people you would think they would follow. I'm not going to name names and make this overly political, but you know what I'm saying. You know, they support the politicians you would think they support. They are following YouTube channels you would expect them to follow. Which usually means that they're taking a shot because the person is likely not of their skin color. Or speaks with a accent or dialect that they do not. And And this comes up, and I will say... Today's person was not one of these undesirables. They were just taking a shot for the sake of taking a shot, as far as I could tell. But today, it was somebody who actually was questioning why I pronounce stuff so poorly purposely. Which, some of it, I'm having fun because I'm live streaming or I'm recording a video, right? We're we're joking around with hell. I have that whole King Darian Extra Large the Eighth thing happening, which is still a running gag that gets people upset. But this one, he said, because he included something complaining about the word Cathar or Cathar, you know, but he mentioned, I can't believe you just mispronounced Tyranix Rex, the magic card, the 8-8, like that. Would you call the thing from Jurassic Park that instead of Tyrannosaurus Rex? And I was like, who says Tyrannosaurus Rex? Like, maybe it's because I'm from the South, but I for real don't even know it. Like, I've been asking people. I'm like, hey, how do you say Tyrannosaurus Rex? And they're like, just like that. Like, so many people have literally said just like that. Like, they don't even give me their pronunciation. They're like, how else would you say it? And I'm like, so I'm not crazy. (laughs) But, like, this is the first time. Because normally when somebody's like, why do you pronounce the thing? Like, some of it I'm like, yeah, that's definitely because of how I grew up or whatever. Or like, I'm just being goofy. But this one I'm literally on the wrong syllable. (laughs) Yeah, but like this one, I don't even know. I'm like, this is how you say it. (laughs) Like, I'm just like, what do I like? What do you even do with this? I'm like, if if any Tyrannosaurus Rexes are offended by our pronunciation, please let us know. I just found it amusing because literally, this is the first time where I'm like, because usually, you know, there's like a potato, potato type situation. You kind of, all right, I know some people that say this, I know some people say this, or whatever. I don't even know of a person that says, and not, you know, not seriously pronounces it Tyrannosaurus. Like, did they even pronounce it that way in Jurassic Park? I, it's been a minute since I saw Because he was using that as a reference, but in my head, I'm like, I'm pretty sure they said Tyrannosaurus also. So I'm like, what is he even talking about? So like, I was so confused. I really was. But I will say this. 
when it's a random word or a mythical thing or whatever, like who cares, right? Some people you're watching might be first or second generation Americans or whatever, and they have a hard accent. Some people might be second or third generations and they grew up in households with grandparents and stuff, teaching them the language or whatever. So they speak with an accent. Hell, I have English cousins that they still have an English accent when they're speaking English. So some words are just different. I mean, they definitely say bottle, you know, so that's a thing. Big deal. Who cares? But the issue is when there's an actual name, then we can talk about it, right? Because some names are derived from history, from important people. Some have religious significance. We should be trying to honor those properly when we can. Like sometimes it's just hard to say some of them, but we should at least be trying, right? I, I give credit to that. But when it's just a random thing, a made-up dinosaur, <laughs> like not even a real dinosaur, it's a made-up dinosaur within the game of magic. It's like, you're going to be mad at that pronunciation. Like, come on, dude. Really? But yeah, generally speaking, though, it seems a lot of people who fall in those categories that are like that tend to be not good people. Which doesn't, which is sad that it doesn't surprise me because it should. But it's just kind of where we are. So if somebody's taking shots at you, whatever, because you have a dialect issue or speak accent, you speak with like whatever, roll it off your back. Those people don't really matter. And you kind of know they're probably unhappy humans if that's the thing they're picking out. Yeah, yeah. I was just thinking about having having a conversation with the, they're, they're, this is the well, actually, yeah, it's yeah, it doesn't make any sense at all. But anyway, let's talk about some other news because there's some interesting bits this week. You know, the first thing I want to mention is that I had an issue come up in, I believe it was like early summer 2021. There was an issue where just my numbers fell off on YouTube and I didn't really understand why. And like my monetization was being hampered to the point it was about, if I remember right, it was 50 to 60 percent reduction, which was a lot, you know. And it was tough because I couldn't figure out what it was. And the only thing we could find to pinpoint it to is something called when I finally got them through said, oh, well, there's an invalid traffic violation. And I'm like, well, what the hell is that? And like, well, there's something creating traffic to your channel that is causing an issue or something we don't find to be actually organic traffic. So in my head, I'm like, okay, I guess it's, it's bots or something or whatever causing an issue. Which I had an issue even at the time, because if that is a thing, then why are we punishing the creators if they in no way can be proven to be part of the issue? Right? Because technically, somebody could create a site or something or whatever that's just going to blast your channel with a bunch of traffic and then hurt your monetization, which is terrible. But... Mine lasted about, I think, six weeks or so at the time and sort of cleared up. And it took a little while to get everything back to full form, but you could see everything going up and whatever. And at the time, there was a lot of creators that were having issues with it. Several of us reached out to each other. We were exchanging messages on Twitter. People had made videos about it. But it kind of blew over, went away, and then was not a thing for the last couple of years. Until about a month ago. Then a bunch of people started going like, hey, what is this invalid traffic issue? I don't know anything about it. And still to this day, the biggest problem I have is that they're not, YouTube doesn't tell you, one, what the source is, or, which would also be helpful, two, the video that's causing the issues. Because one, if you knew the source, you could at least go investigate it. Or if you knew the video, you could just delete the video that's causing the problem. Just saying like, hey, I didn't do this, but I also don't want to be punished for it, so the video's gone, right? And then nobody's putting ads on anything or whatever. And you just go back to business. But for whatever reason, they don't tell you that. And that tends to be the problem. Because I think people could accept it if you're telling them, okay, what the problem is so they can help you fix it. Because they just want to do right by you so y'all can both keep making money. You know, because YouTube gets paid when you get paid. So it's like, yeah, why why are we restricting that? But an interesting thing came up this week is I saw two different creators mention that the only abnormal thing they could find because obviously YouTube's not going to tell you, so they'd have to self-investigate, is that there was an unusually high spike in views from Google when they look at their external sources on YouTube. 
And if that's the problem, that would mean that YouTube's own partner company is causing the invalid traffic issue for some of these YouTube channels. <laughs> yeah, I know. We don't know that it's true. This is the only thing that's come up that people have been able to find. So it could be something else. But if this is the issue, man, that's a rough one. That's, that's going to be a tough pill to swallow if that ends up being an issue. Now, the good news is YouTube does say they know it's a problem. They've at least acknowledged it. They've been looking into it for like two weeks now or whatever. They've posted about it on Twitter. So I guess there will be a solution sooner rather than later. But man, it sucks for a lot of creators because some people are having their really just their monthly finances impacted for as some of them as much as 80% plus. So if they're doing, you know, used to getting a thousand dollars a month from their YouTube stuff, they're getting 200 or less. Some of them are getting a hundred dollars or less. Like that's crazy for something that they didn't have anything to do with. Right. And for all they know, if it was legit, somebody could be using their video wrongly to help promote something on a Facebook ad or, I don't know, maybe you do some type of technical videos and somebody's putting it on their their website to help teach people about a thing or what, right? Who knows what could be causing the problem? Usually those don't cause issues though, so I don't think those are it, but it could be, you know, because they're not in control of that. So yeah, I don't know, but it's definitely something that's being discussed and YouTube will have to address this with people and hopefully keep this from happening in the future. Because again, if it happened now, it could happen again in maybe every two years. I don't know. But we went a year plus, two years plus, with no real major problem, and here it is happening again. So yeah, and I, I feel for all the creators, because some of these people are putting in a lot of work and losing a lot of opportunity. For people to think, oh man, it must be great, you know, to be able to play video games for a living. Like there's, <laughs> there's things like this, you know, it's not all... <laughs> Not all sunshine and rainbows. Yep. Completely out of your control. But let's talk about some other stuff here that YouTube does have coming down the pipe. They're introducing a fun thing called YouTube Playables. Now, what this is going to be, it's going to be somewhere between mobile games and the kind of like makeshift Google games you see on the main Google page sometimes. It's going to be somewhere between that. But the idea is when you log into YouTube, there will be now some people already have this because they said they started testing with small, small audiences uh, this week. But there will be a thing in the side panel, I guess, that will just say playables and you click on it. I'll have some percentage, some percentage, some number of games there that you can try out. So far from the things I've seen mentioned, it seems like they are the uh, kind of light level mobile game. So probably something along the lines of like an Angry Birds Right, that level of machinery or power required, which makes sense because a lot of people are just going to be watching YouTube on their phone. They don't want to have something super graphically intense and just having to run that within the YouTube page and everything else would probably be crazy for some of those. But it's kind of neat, uh, you know, coming off the idea that, you know, they shuttered Stadia, which was an interesting idea, just never caught on. And I guess they already have the technology and the networking or whatever to make something like this happen. So the interesting thing will be, do companies use this as a way to maybe promo some of their games? Do they eventually get to where they can sell games through there? Maybe you want to try something like, hey, give us $2.99. You could, you could play this game or whatever, right? It'd be interesting to see what the future of that is. But it's kind of interesting of saying like, hey, we're going to push to make YouTube almost like a one-stop shop for entertainment because now you're going to be able to play games on here too. That I don't know. How do you feel kind of, about that? That seems to be like the prevailing wind in the industry because Netflix is trying to make games now too. So everybody is trying to figure out a way to keep you on their platform. Whatever, what kind of entertainment you enjoy, we're doing it. Yeah. And part of me says like, oh, that feels like they're doing a lot. But at the same time, there are people that are only going to use that platform as their main thing, right? Because not everybody can afford to have Netflix, Hulu, Disney Plus, blah, blah, whatever, go down the list, right? So if they're paying their $30, $50, whatever it is for the preferred platform, it does benefit those people to say like, hey, you can do everything right here. And then they just spend more time watching your stuff instead of even entertaining leaving or getting another platform or whatever. And it kind of adds more value, right? You can say like, well, we also offer this now. 
right? So the next time they, because inevitably prices are going to go up, right? So the next time they go, well, it's going to be like $1.50, $2 more a month. And you're like, but since our last price increase, we added this whole library of games you can play now. You're like, yeah, I don't use them that much, but okay, I guess that makes sense. Yeah, and we've Great. talked about, hey, if I kind of enjoy your video game, and even if it's you know some kind of mobile thing, I'll give you two dollars for you. You entertain me for especially if I'm, you know, on, I don't know, on a plane or a long car ride or something. Yeah, there's a lot of people I've talked to that. Have this belief, like, well, if it's free to play, it's always free to play. I'm not giving them the money, whatever. But I'm kind of always been on the opposite thing. Like, if I use your stuff enough, and you're giving me hell in the course of a month, twenty hours of entertainment. Like, if all I got to do is throw you a fiver, right. sure, you can have five bucks for the month. There are right? so I many games I played. It. Yeah, there's so many games I've played that I that I would happily give them ten, twenty dollars if they could if they could revive them because you know they didn't for whatever reason they didn't catch on or you know they. Maybe oh, they got sure. part of my embracer group or something, and it just didn't work out. Yeah, I feel that way about a lot of games. Like, it, it, but it, what you said is actually pretty relevant, right? When people don't want to pay for the games, you probably can't be that mad when your game goes away, right? Right? You didn't contribute to them staying around, yet you used all their services. And I get it; money's tight. Not everybody can do that, so I mean, I understand. But where you can, I mean, they're literally giving you free entertainment. Like, I haven't been playing that much Marvel Snap the last couple months. So I didn't buy their monthly thing. Well, a lot of people have. They've made, I think, with over a hundred million, apparently. Oh, yeah. Or... But when I am playing it a lot, like this, like starting at this month, I'm gonna be doing some traveling or whatever, going to Magic Con and stuff like that. I'll probably give them their 10 bucks for a month. Because yeah. <laughs> then I'll be playing more Snap, right? And I'll probably hell over over that period of the, that three weeks, I'll probably put in. 15, 20 hours between just like waiting at airports or in hotel lobbies or whatever. That's totally worth 10 bucks to me. I knew it was doing well. I had just no idea how well. You know what though? But it's like we talked about, right? When, when, if you're trying to get into the industry right now, mobile games tough, right? Because even if it's not Marvel snap, it's still like clash of clans and whatever. Like some of those are still killing it, right? There's just not a lot of room. And then if you're looking at consoles, you know, we've been talking about like your yep. Diablos and your Baldur's Gates of the world or whatever, literally pushing to do billions of dollars. Like, what are you, what are you going to do? Poor DC Dual Force. <laughs> yeah, there just ain't no room. Ain't no room. But yeah, cool. I hope they push the YouTube playables to my account soon so I can give an update on it and how, how it works. Uh, also, YouTube announced they're going to add ads for live streamers. Now, I know some people are like, ah, ads, live streamers. But like, here's the thing. This kind of comes back to the whole, they're giving you free entertainment. If the creator doing that live stream gets an extra, hell, I don't know, two cents for you watching them, <laughs> like, let them have that, man. Like, it's a little inconvenience. And the reality is, from everything I've read so far, it's not like they're trying to bombard it. It sounds like it's going to be one per hour, probably. So it, that's more than reasonable. And good Lord, some yeah. ads are entertaining. I mean, they're, they're not all true. terrible. But realistically, at this point, like it's kind of become the assumption that if you're watching something online or using something online for free, ads are going to be how they monetize it if you're not spending any money. That's just the way it is. I mean, now, I, I they, know. they did say there was going to be some cool features with it that – after they get the initial run up where you can start putting them in there, they're going to have a 60 second countdown so the creator can see it coming and can tell people. But there's also going to be a delay feature. So let's say I'm in the middle of explaining something to my audience. I'll be like, ah, I want to push this off a little bit. So you can hit a thing to push it down the road two minutes or whatever. So you can finish up what you're doing, then have the ad play, which I think is a very cool feature to, to include. And if it leads to creators making more money, obviously YouTube will make more money because it's another place they can put an ad. But if I watch somebody's three-hour stream and I see three or four ads that whole time, that seems more than reasonable. Yeah, that's way better than any any TV show you're going to watch on <laughs> on most platforms. Dude, hell, right now, I got got by Twitch because... I don't know if you know this, but like if you you go to somebody's channel and it's got like an intro ad or whatever, you're like, all right, cool. I'm like, I'm going to at least go respond to this email real quick and then I'll come back. I still had to watch the other 20 seconds of that video. 
like if you move away from that tab, if that tab is not open and the lead tab on Chrome, like or whatever browser you're using, it doesn't run down the ad. Like you have to come back and sit through the ad. So now when I'm on Twitch, I literally have to have Twitch open in a separate tab. So when it adds up, I can do other things instead of actually sit through the ad. Because some of the Twitch ad breaks are like three minutes, five minutes. Right? And it's like, uh, it's like ad one of six or whatever. And you're like, oh, my God. Right. Twitch has the worst ad experience. Because my thing is, if it's up and it's running, they're going to get credit for it anyway. They're not. The credit isn't going to be if I set in front of it or not. So it's like, what is this weird torturous process that you decided you had to include? But then if you were watching a football game, how many ads do you see? Several. But I can also yeah. leave and go to the bathroom and come back. <laughs> and, but now I have to actually leave it up and stay right in front of it on Twitch. Which is so inconvenient to just have to have another tab open for no reason or another window open, not even another tab, just so I can make sure the ads run. But I mean, you can still like get up and go to the bathroom, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. But I'm thinking like I can't do something else on my computer without remembering, oh, yeah, I have to slide out this tab so it's its own window or else I'm going to have to watch this ad over again. But not even over again. I just have to finish it, which is the bad part. It's like to me, it's still not that big a deal if you're enjoying the show. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, that I'm good with the ad existing. I'm just like, if it's a 30-second ad, cool. Just let the ad run. Let me open up another tab and update my fantasy football lineup real quick or whatever. And then I'll pop back over and finish watching the stream. I got no problem with that. But the fact that I clicked away and did my business, I came back and I still have 26 seconds of ad to watch. It's like, why, though? <laughs> but, yeah. Uh, I think this thing for live streamers is going to help everybody make a little bit more money. And I think that's a good thing. So will it be minorly inconvenient? Sure. You know, if you can justify it, getting YouTube premium isn't bad. If you're worried about ads that badly, it'll clear that up for you. And then you don't ever see an ad again. And that solves that. But yeah, just a lot of news there from uh, YouTube in a pretty small window of time. So I figured it was worth sharing. And man, we have some sad news. I guess it's sad. I mean, it's business, you know, yeah. but our friends over at Cardsphere are closing up shop. They announced that basically between... They, I, the best way I can describe it, to give people reference, is for me, it was like a couple of years I went through with my game store. Is There's a period of growth for a business where you're doing better and you're making more money, but it's not enough to justify bringing on another person, right? You're in this weird space. So what that does is that creates a lot of extra work for everybody else that's there to be able to keep up with this new business you got, but it's not enough for you to be able to bring on somebody else. And it seems like they kind of got caught in that part of the cycle for a long period of time because they mentioned, mentioned you know, that just oh, go ahead. Mm -hmm. With Wizards making as many products as they're making, just the amount of money they were putting out just to even get cards into the database kind of became prohibitive to do in business. Well, yeah, and even with that, that creates more problems, right? Because people are mailing out the wrong version that somebody wanted of a card or something, right? So they're helping resolve those disputes. But they even said that is like, you know, exponentially more disputes they're dealing with than what they had before. Not that the service was bad, and most of the stuff gets resolved very easy, very quickly, but somebody still has to hit the button, respond to somebody, right? So stuff like that was just starting to cost them money, and they just said they couldn't do it anymore after six years of trying. So, you know, to their credit, they built a decent platform. A lot of people are using it, but just not enough, unfortunately. They did say, I believe today, actually, they were cutting off international trades, so you won't be able to trade between countries anymore. And this makes sense because if you're working to wind things down. You don't want a lot of stuff left in transit to resolve. Then they said a month from now, they will, I believe, shut down any new trade. Or oh, they're not getting, well, right now, new people can't even join the service. That was the other thing. And then eventually they're just going to shut down trades as a whole. Then whatever's left in transit, they'll give it like another few weeks. And then they're just going to start cashing people out. So they're not doing this to like run away with anybody's money or anything like that. They're keeping everybody aware of what's going on. They're trying to resolve everything clean and send everybody home with their stuff. So, you know, 
just pour one out, I guess. Yeah. Like, I mean, great folks just hate to see that it wasn't able to work out for them. It's... Yeah, and I have nothing but good things to say about them. Like, right. they were professional all the way through. Anytime we wanted to talk about things or work on things, great. They gave us opportunities to write stuff on the sites when we wanted to. Yeah. Like, they supported a lot of up-and-coming folks. So, yeah, I don't I don't have anything. And people even said that, like, you know, when, I, when we brought on our friends over at Cool Stuff, Inc., you know, like, how do we feel about it? And it's like, no, this isn't any hate toward them. You know, this is just... One of those cases. Can't really yeah, do much about all, it. Yeah. They're all business related things that we would, you know, we'd, we'd love it if we didn't have to talk about business, <laughs> but we, it's the reality is, yeah, we got to, got to pay bills, got to buy equipment, got to pay for websites and, you know. Yeah. It's just part of the process. But yeah, I hope they end up staying in the industry and find something else to do. Maybe they get brought on board to somebody else's company or whatever, but they're definitely passionate folks, smart folks. It's just, it's just tough. You know, every, everybody, I've seen a lot of people with entrepreneurships. They, they don't go on forever. You know, you reach a point where you either sell it or you close it. And this is the case where they're just closing it. It's a tough one, but thanks. And I hope good things happen to all the people at Cardsphere. And you probably heard about this Lorcana game by now. This is uh, Disney's effort to get into the collectible card game thing. We've talked about it a few times on the show. Being produced by the company Ravensburger, who's had a lot of success with Disney products. So it made sense that we're going to get to do the card game. But one of the things I remember telling people is for about the last four or five months, every time Ravensburger was at a show, you know, whether that be Origins, when they were at Gamma, whatever, like multiple retailers I spoke to said, yeah, I had time to talk to them after the show. I mentioned this, I mentioned that. Everybody was telling them like, hey, numbers are going to be bigger. The supply isn't going to be enough. From my understanding, some distributors, I know, even talked to them about it. Like, hey, do we know when the next wave's coming? Whatever. Yeah, everything was obviously very short. Pre-orders didn't even, like people got 10% or less of what they pre-ordered in some cases. So abysmal numbers, obviously everything's still selling, but this is now leading to issues of retailers getting backlash, people yelling at them, leaving one star reviews on their sites or whatever, because some people are mad because they're charging more than retail. Some people are mad because they can't come in and buy a booster box. Some people are mad that they're holding product to use for demo days or whatever. Like retailers are trying all types of things to try to resolve the issues. People are still mad. For one reason or another. So it's just been a rough PR situation for a lot of people. However, Ravensburger says they have a solution to the shortages. They're going to print more cards. Awesome. <laughs> That's what everybody was asking for. For By the time the cards come around, it'll be a half year or so that that's what people have been asking for. So, I don't know. This is a case, though, where I talked about this, right? That because it's Disney and Disney knows their market they probably want to handle it a certain way yeah but disney does not who... know collectible games markets no what were you saying i was gonna say that they know collectibles though and i'm not convinced this was by accident oh they, they, exactly this is the same company like you can only buy peter pan for two hours today and else it's going back into the vault forever and it'll never be released again in your lifetime so i, I shudder to think you know probably what's going with the working on a product like this where the whole it's all about hey everything needs to be collected and, and the different you know different levels of, this is disney's wet dream being in the collectible card industry <laughs> so. well, see and that's the thing like i part of me is with you like part of me says we're gonna handle this like we do other disney releases because we know how the market buys us right but part of me also says I think Disney didn't understand the card game market like I initially thought, because even Disney would go, we can make how much more money if we do this? Because they easily could have sold. I don't think I'd be exaggeration to say five to maybe even seven X what was out there now. And they wouldn't even have oversaturated the market. And I suspect whenever it's printed, they still will. Probably, but I do know for a fact they definitely will have lost some people and some people moved on and whatever because they just already are mad, have a bad taste. Like, if you saw some of the 
different Facebook groups and different things for Locan already. Like there, it was people already out of control about it. Yeah, so, but how many? How many? Like you, how many Magic collections have you bought? Because the game is dying. And then you know, oh, I'm, nev- I'm never going to play this game again. And next tournament, like, hey, give, give, give me 12 boxes. Oh, no, I agree. There will be some of those people. But this is a case, too, where I don't think a lot of the people buying into it are as, I would say, attached to the brand. There's a bunch of people who are trying to be first to the post, big fist, small pond, like try to show up to some events, take advantage of people who don't know how to play card games yet. You know, there's a lot of those folks that, they were just trying to be opportunists. And while they weren't necessarily going to be long-term customers, you still could have got their money for a while. Right? And if the game is successful, I think you'll still get it. Oh, yeah, you'll especially, get it. Especially if they don't care anything about the card game. They'll be back whenever they're people to take advantage of. You would think so. Somewhere down the line. So, yeah, there's definitely money to still be made. It's just sad it kind of had to go this way because a lot of retailers, hell, if they could even get it, you know, there's some retailers who still didn't even have it to sell. Like they're just taking a beating for not doing anything wrong just because there were expectations kind of set that, you know, there's promotions like, oh, this is going to be available on this day and you'll be able to do this and you can buy this and there's going to be these tournaments or whatever. And a lot of that just can't happen because there's no product. And that's tough. When there is a DuckTail starter deck to buy, (laughs) I will be there to buy it. (laughs) Oh, eventually, you know, it's going to be a thing. Right. So eventually it might be a year or two from now but it's yeah. gonna be a thing but yeah just one of those things like it's it's tough and i and again i don't even know if ravensburger had a say in the whole thing they might just have to take their marching orders and do what they're gonna do but yeah that's that's just a tough one now the funny thing is i will say there have been some people online who were like oh well i hope Lorcana comes up and forces magic to do xyz and whatever like they're not they're not like these are not going to like they're just not going to be enough crossover for that to be because there's a lot of people that are going to be like they they are with Pokemon right they buy the cards to collect them more than play them there's people I know who play Pokemon they don't even play with the rules correctly and they've been playing the damn game for 10 years so like there's some people they're love for the people on certain products their level of engagement will never be high enough to matter for the world of magic. And can Lorcana be big enough? Sure, it's Disney, so I'm never going to say no. Because, like, you know, Disney could literally, if you talk about being able to throw money at something, if anybody could, it could be them. But I don't know if Disney's aspirations, like we're already seeing, line up with there being a big tournament circuit and sponsored creators and whatever. Like, could be eventually... Could be a Ravensburger long-term plan, you know, if they can talk Disney into it or whatever. But it just, right now, doesn't seem like it's part of the Disney vision you see for other stuff. So as long as Disney's making piles of money and, you know, the, the, I don't know what you call Disney collectors. Disney heads? Disney folks? <laughs> Disney? I don't know. But you know what I'm saying. Like, the Disney enthusiasts are buying it. Whether they're playing it or not, Disney doesn't care. They're just looking at the bottom line that something sold. So as long as they're selling out of stuff, they ain't going to be really encouraged to do all that extra stuff because they don't need to because they're Disney. But with all that said, let's hop into the dinner table segment here. And there's an interesting question. And I don't even know if I know your answer to this, Brian. But what character or characters could be more than one? Did you find particularly inspiring growing up? You know, there's there's one I want to mention that probably... uh, a lot of people probably never saw to begin with, and even the people that watched the show probably forgot. Did you ever watch a show called Vanishing Sun? Ooh, I don't think I did. I feel like I've heard of it, but I can't, yeah, star, I star, I can't say I ever watched it. Yeah, it starred Russell Wong, who you might know from uh, Romeo Must Die mm-hmm. and uh, projects like that. It, it was a martial arts-themed show. It also kind of had feel of the fugitive, where he's accused of a crime he didn't commit and kind of just on the run all the time from the police, the mob, whoever. And again, it was just a really well done show. A show, and especially at the time, would, there aren't many shows with Asian leads now. This show ran back in the 90s. So even back then, even fewer TV shows that, that had a primarily Asian cast. 
And it also has one of my all-time favorite scenes in any show where he's in a fight with the Ku Klux Klan and his brother, who you know, he kind of had an estranged brother, you know, kind of like, a, I guess, a, well, you know, that, 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 that black sheep where they're not getting along. And just all of a sudden, his brother shows up. And his brother, I think, it, it, it's a criminal, enjoying being a criminal. He shows up, guns blazing, starts mowing down Ku Klux Klan members. I just feel good television right there. Nothing wrong with that. Right. Yeah, I don't know. I was thinking about this because I tell people all the time, like as an adult, I don't really have too many celebrities that like, you know, that I would pass out if I shook their hand or whatever, you know, I'm not like a super fan really of a hell. I was going to say of a lot of people. I don't know if I'm a super fan of anyone right now, but part of my issue is I've gotten to meet a lot of people over the years. Right. And I've seen them behind the scenes where they're not having to be on necessarily. So I guess like the, the mystique is, isn't there with a lot of people. Cause like, I understand, you know, I've seen them with their mask off effectively, but I was thinking about this and I feel like even if I wasn't what I would say, like looking up to or aspiring to be them, I think it's kind of cliche, but I think like, Mr. Rogers and probably LeVar Burton are probably the ones I watched a lot growing up. Yeah. And probably had it like thinking back on it, even as a kid, I don't think, I guess I'm trying to describe it. Like, I don't think I consciously thought about the things they were saying on like a higher level, but as an adult, I can look back and go, they had an impact on me. I'm sure. And in LeVar Burton's case, it's multiple shows. You know, as a kid, you watch Reading Rainbow, and then he got on Star Trek Next Generation when you were probably, you know, at that point in high school, I think. And so, yeah, just so much of your childhood and young adulthood, LeVar Burton was yeah. there for. And just a lot of what they talked about and a lot of the things they were, hell, even the stories Jordy was involved in in, in right. Star Trek, like, they all had cultural significance. Right. And, and also because he's the engineer, he's the person, you know, he is playing that Scotty role where, OK, how long would this take to do, Mr. LaForge? Uh, two weeks. I need it done in 15 minutes. Yeah, okay, exactly. See what I can do. And then he, of course, figures out how to do it. And yeah. again, there were n- how many black engineers did you see on TV growing up? Oh yeah, practically not. Five. Yeah, <laughs> unless, they were, LaForge, you know? unless they were part of a black TV show. Right. You usually didn't have them. It just wasn't a thing. And I can't think of very many other TV shows where a, a black character was an engineer. Yeah. You, you were lucky if you got somebody that was, you know, a cop like Carl Winslow. Man, for real. Like Carl Winslow, man, that dude was America's dad for a minute, wasn't he? Yep. <laughs> but yeah, I think that was it for me. I think it's those two. Because like I said, I, even not thinking about it on that level at the time, you look back and go, man, there's a lot of things they taught or talked about right. that I kind of follow that that seed had to have been planted somewhere. You know what I mean? Even if I'm not consciously thinking like, oh, well, Mr. Rogers said, you know, just like you see it enough or you hear it enough, it starts to become part of your personality. So probably then, those two for me. You know, with Reginald Vell Johnson, because you want to get the actual actor's name in there. To, to, you know, obviously he did a great job playing the character. Like you said, he was really an America's dad type of role. But also, as I, as I started my career as an actor, to find out later that that show was basically pitched as a working class version of the Cosby show. And then, of course, Steve Urkel came in. The whole show became the Steve Urkel show. And, and they've admitted now there were obviously problems behind the scenes. But to watch a show you would have never known there was a single problem. Oh, yeah. They were they always, the- they played off each other so well. And I mean, once they realized, yeah, this is the Urkel show. Okay, you can clear original Bill Johnson, do, hey, this is a working actor. We're going to make this work this way. Yep. But you know what? It kept them on TV for, what is that, seven seasons or something? Yeah. So they and were on for a long time. Without that character, there's no way they get to that point, I don't think. Because it, yeah. it, it gave it all, it took it for being, you know, uh, well, basically, uh, a, a fun sitcom to the most pop, basically the linchpin of the TGIF thing. You know, it, it's it's like a Big Bang Theory, right? I don't yep. think they expected 
the one character to become as popular as it did. Right. But eventually you're kind of like, well, this is the hand we're dealt now. Yeah. We got it. We got to run with it. It's, or we're going to lose all our viewership. It's the Fonzie. It, it, yep. The, the happy days was supposed to be obviously Ron Howard's show since he was Opie from, you know, he's really the only actor on that show at the beginning that had an established fan following. Then Fonzie happened and, Rod Howard has talked about the whole change of where you thought this was your show and something else has happened. Now you got to decide, are you on board with this? Or like, we yeah. can all make some money, you know? Sometimes you just get the person on your cast that's such a good character actor yeah. that it just pulls that direction and it connects with the viewers. There's nothing you can do. But only other thing to add is... Hey, if you haven't played Eldrin, get out there and play it because there's some sweet cards and it's been a lot of fun. But Brian, where's everybody? Where they can find you on the social media machines? All right, I am Brian Sonic on uh, Twitter, YouTube, and Instagram. And you can find me just about everywhere at Power Dragon, P O W R D R A G N. And coming up, if you're going to be at MagicCon Vegas, come find me because I'm going to be there all weekend. But as always, wherever you're listening, whenever you're listening, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and good night. Please remember to give, leave us a rating and a review. Take care of yourselves and family. Remember to be awesome. And most importantly, remember to be awesome to each other. If you'd like to further support Color of Magic, you can find us on our website at colorofmtg.com. We also have a Patreon if you'd like to donate. Other patreon.com slash colorofmagic. You can also find us on Facebook under Color of Magic. And if you want to follow us along at Twitter, you can find us there at Color of MTG. And as always, please share the podcast around to your friends, your network, people you think might enjoy it, because every little bit helps as we're trying to increase our user base. <laughs>